0: Welcome to the Commonwealth Magazine podcast in partnership with Transit Matters. I'm your host, Josh Fairchild. I'm a board member here at Transit Matters. I'm Jim Aloisi, your co-host, also a board member at Transit Matters. On the podcast today, we're joined by Chris Osgood, Chief of Streets for the City of Boston and former co-founder of the Mayor's Office of New Urban Mechanics. We intend for this to be a two-part series featuring Chris.
1: So Chris, tell us a little bit. that The title, Chief of Streets, is is a little bit new to many people. Tell us about your role at City Hall, what you do, your purview, how you interact with other city agencies, and what your overall mission is. Sure. Uh, first, uh, Jim and Josh, thank you so much for uh, for having me here. I'm actually also joined by our Director of
2: Transportation Planning and Policy, Vinit Gupta. Um, The title of Chief of Streets is, in fact, a new one, as you alluded to, Jim. Um, The idea is that uh, the streets of the city of Boston, the streets and sidewalks of the city of Boston, are about nine square miles of the um, the entire city. The city itself is around 48 square miles. And the mayor wanted to have... Essentially, a single comprehensive strategy for how we actually manage those streets, build those streets, and maintain those streets. And the work really, in many ways, falls into those three buckets. Um, the mayor wants to make sure we've got the world's best basic city services that we're plowing streets, that we're picking up trash, that we're keeping lights on, that we're doing all those neighborhood quality of life things better than any other city in the nation. And so, part of the uh, of the work that my team really focuses on is delivering on those neighborhood basics second part of it is really actually how we move people safely and well through the city of Boston which is really the focus of our transportation department how we actually uh, think about um, creating streets and creating policies that safely move pedestrians and cyclists and folks who are on transit and folks who are driving throughout the city and be able to prepare for the growth that we're seeing in the city prepare for the challenges that climate change is going to bring and ensure that we're actually uh, serving best those who are least well served today and the third part of the job is really around designing and constructing the streets of the city Uh, so we spend a lot of time thinking about not just how we are delivering services or moving people, but how we're creating great places. I think that everyone would agree that what in many ways makes great cities are great streets, are great public places um, where uh, residents can, can gather, where communities can come together. And so we're very mindful as we think about uh, being the, uh, the custodians of these uh, of this, uh, nine square miles of land, how we can really use it as a, a place for, for the city and for communities to come together.
1: So for people who live or work or, or visit Boston, what would be uh, some of the initiatives that you've begun to undertake that they might see or observe or participate in? Sure. Um, so there's a whole host of, uh, of things. I think a lot of the work um,
2: that folks are going to be seeing that is that are uh, – uh, that are coming up are things that are really coming out of the Go Boston 2030 plan. Uh, for folks who don't know, Go Boston 2030 is the City of Boston's uh, long term mobility plan. Uh, it was really driven uh, by Commissioner Fiandaka, by Vinit Gupta, uh, and by Alice Brown. And we engaged thousands of residents in that process um, to lay out a set of um, policy and project uh, priorities uh, to guide the city over the next 15 years. It was very important to us and very important to the mayor uh, that we don't simply spend two years planning, but that we actually start moving ahead with the ideas. That that uh, our residents cared most about. So some of those things that we've uh, started in on uh, is our work to make uh, our streets safer for everyone. So there are, uh, there's work that's happening in places like Codman Square, ground that's being broken in places like Stony Brook and the Talbot-Norfolk Triangle in uh, Jamaica Plain and uh, Dorchester respectively over the next couple of months, work that's happened along Mass Ave, all to make our streets um, better places for folks who are walking, better places for folks who are cycling, and to calm speeds,
1: uh, reduce crashes, and ultimately save lives. Is the how do you? What's your view about how people should think about the intersection of mobility and improved mobility in Boston with the public realm? And hmm. the public realm, I mean, the actual streetscape, cycling lanes. How do those things intersect for the benefit of of the people who live and work in the city? Sure. Um, so. Tell me if I'm off on, on sort of interpreting the direction you were going with that
2: question. But um, as we uh, did our outreach to the GoBoss in 2030, we... Um, uh uh, plan. There were nine key themes that really we heard over and over again um, during what we called the question campaign, which was sort of the initial uh, phase of Go Boston mm-hmm. 2030. Um, the three key themes that really rose to the top were improving safety, particularly for pedestrians and cyclists; um, pr- improving reliability, for, particularly for folks who uh, take transit, particularly those who are on buses or those who are driving, and in general across the city, improving accessibility to good alternatives to transit. Those were the top three. I would say the fourth, um, the, the sort of issue that came in. Fourth was actually the experiential quality of our streets. Um, and it really underscored, I think, what you're getting at, which is that uh, in order to make uh, waiting for a bus and then riding a bus um, actually a comfortable thing to do, uh, in order to actually enjoy walking uh, to work and be encouraged to walk uh, to work or walk to um, a cultural destination or to go shopping, um, or to really uh, enjoy your bike ride, that there, it's it's uh, one, the It's not enough to simply build the right infrastructure um, in a basic form, but you really need to pay attention to the details and create Mm -hmm. a public space that really is working for those who are using it and working for the abutters as well.
0: It it seems like um, we all know, we we read about the rankings, we know that Boston is one of the most walkable uh, infrastructures in North America. Um, And so it seems like a lot of this was just residents saying, let's embrace what we already have and get back to the root of that and make it so much better as opposed to trying to kind of uh, retrofit <laughs> um, automobiles onto it in a way that it was becoming increasingly dangerous. Um, I think with this two-part series, one of the things that'll be good for us to do is to start with, as you mentioned, to go Boston twenty thirty and yep. the general themes and goals of that, and then get into uh, the details and some of the more exciting maybe projects that have been proposed. So i 'll kind of read off some of the goals I, I read the whole report i 'm sure a lot of people did, um, but I want to show my work here um, so, so some of the biggest goals I found were um, three beginning interrelated goals. Every home in Boston will be within ten, a 10 minute walk of a rail station or a key bus route, a hubway station, and car share currently we 're at forty two percent right We will decrease the average commute time by ten percent I think that's a really that 's going to be hard to unwrap. Um, and we will double double the number of jobs reachable within a 30-minute commute. Um, currently, we're at 27%, so we're going to double that to 60%. Uh, greenhouse gas reduction of 80% by 2050. Currently, we're down 17% since 2005. Is that Yeah, t- 2005 to 2014, okay. Um, every traffic signal will automatically adapt to bus, car, and bike demands. And then what we can... In, and talking about as we can get into right. the mode share, you yep. know, goals. Um, but those are some pretty big goals. Um, did that come from specifics that residents asked for, or did it? How did you? How did you back? Did you back into those numbers, or did you start with those numbers? Can you talk a little bit about those goals? Sure. Um, so I think two notes on them. One, the, as we were building this plan,
2: the mayor made it very clear uh, to us and to the um, the fantastic sort of uh, steering committee that we had for. Go Boston 2030, that we should be aspirational, that this is a plan that should really reflect the ambitions of the people of Boston and point in the direction that um, our residents want to take the city. And so I think what you see in in those goals really is that uh, that ambition. Um, Those goals and targets were really set um, following that, uh, in many ways, that initial round of outreach. So we did that initial round of outreach, uh, reached around uh, 5,000 folks, uh, both in the city of Boston and across the region, got those sort of nine key uh, uh, priorities uh, from them and then thought about what are representative goals and targets that we can actually measure and track over time. And that's where you see things like uh, the accessibility goal, um, making sure that every single residence in the city of Boston is within a 10-minute walk of bike share, car share, uh, and a key bus route or a mass transit line. Um, and uh, we are, we are using uh, essentially those measures as we think about our capital priorization. Uh, we are using those measures as we think about our operational work um, to make sure that we are we are sort of keeping a focus on that. I will say that one of the components that uh, will, will take those goals and targets forward um, is something which we are currently calling the Mobility Lab. It will almost certainly have a different name when it's actually launched, um, but it is a way in which um, we will be able to track and report publicly um, our progress
1: on the key goals and targets that are uh, outline in go, in 2030. How many of the key goals and targets that you have are require you to collaborate with a, a different entity, like a state yep. entity, whether it's the T or MassDOT? How much is in the city's control? How much is not? And how do you deal with that? Uh, it's a great question. I, clearly, um,
2: you know our plan and the goals and targets that are in here really reflect the way in which people move today, which is um, not isolated to the city of Boston, not isolated to the things which the government entity, the city of Boston, can control. Uh, And consequently, both the development of the plan and its implementation um, have to be about collaboration and have to be about partnership, both with adjacent cities and towns, as well as with uh, the MBTA, uh, with uh, private developers, etc. So we're very mindful of exactly that. And one of the things which we paid a lot of attention to during the Go Boston 2030 process and one of the pieces that we um, want to make sure as part of our work going forward is that uh, continuing that sort of element of inclusive planning and I think we may be getting to this in the second half but one of the uh, entities that we've set up to advance this um, that Vineet, uh, uh leads is something we call the Better Boss Working Group um, and this is a group that essentially meets uh, regularly between the city of Boston, um, our operations folks our planning folks and our engineers um, with their counterparts at the MBTA in the bus ops uh, side. And this is really to make sure that um, as we are trying to get done things that are outlining Go Boston 2030, um, like an uh, improved bus service between Rosendale Square and Forest Hills, mm-hmm. um, that we're actually coordinating on that implementation.
0: The commute mode share goals that were that were listed in the document, um, things like um, by 2030, increased transit use, uh, these, these are yep. Bostonian commutes. Um, mm-hmm. Increase transit use of Bostonians commuting um, by a third, um, so from 34 to 45 percent. The current trend line is 39 percent. So it, it's it's a big goal. It's not necessarily you know earth shattering. Um, increase uh, bring the walk mode share up by half, up to 21 percent from 14 percent today. Um, bike share would be up four times, from two percent to eight uh, percent. Carpool would see a little bit of a decline. I think which makes sense with the things that we're seeing. And driving alone would be down by half. Mm-hmm. Um, Are are those goals, what do you think are the the biggest things that have to be done um, that you would need to begin tackling first to make some of those goals possible? Uh, That's a great question. Um,
2: I think it is different for each of the modes. Um, I think first just to quickly step back on the importance of that, because I think, Joshua, you identified is in many ways fundamental to uh, the overall Go Boston 2030 plan. When we started out on this effort, um, there were really three major points of departure. Um, we were recognizing the fact that we are at a moment uh, in this city and in this region of um, significant growth. Um, our, our population uh, had bottomed out um, in 1980, had been increasing um, until uh, in the last five years. And over the last five years, the, the sort of the pace of uh, of growth actually has increased. Um, and We know that we're not going to be able to actually manage that growth if we're moving in the same way in the future that we are today. Um, Similarly, um, we know that uh, as we are a city, like every coastal city, like every city in this nation and across the world that is um, thinking about the impacts of climate change, whether that's sea level rise or storm surge or inland flooding or urban heat island effect, um, that we need to reduce our emissions and that we need to find ways of moving around in the city that um, are simply more sustainable all the goals, all the targets that you listed, Josh, are things that move us in that direction of a more sustainable city. Uh, and third, the um, something which is fundamental to the work the mayor is trying to get done, um, we want to make sure that we are delivering better services to those folks who are least well-served today, uh, that we really have a transportation system that works for everybody. Um, and Uh, if we can uh, really achieve the goals and targets that um, you just listed around mode share. We're going to do a better job of doing exactly that. So um, to take each of those sort of four modes um, uh, in many ways, really the first three, walking, biking, uh, and transit. Um, So the walking goal currently we're at 14.5% or were I think in the GoBoss in 2030 uh, uh, plan and the goal again is to increase that by 50%. um. We are fortunate to have the highest um, mode split of folks who walk to work. I think of any major city uh, in the nation, uh, and that really is a credit to um, good planning and, and and good urban growth that we have co-located uh, residents uh, near employment centers and vice versa. Um, so I think as we want as we think about how we go from fourteen percent to twenty two percent, that has as much to do with. Um, the way we time our signals and the way we build our sidewalks and the way we install pedestrian ramps, all of which are really fundamental to the work that uh, uh, that my team focuses on every, every single day. It is also about where we grow and where we think about how to, um, uh, again, put housing near jobs. Um, that second uh, uh, sort of category of cycling, um, so we're at around 2% today. I think in GoBoss in 2030 it's around 1.9% is what we listed. And the goal is to uh, quadruple that What we see in some places in the city that have great bike infrastructure, think of places uh, along the Southwest Corridor, for example, the the current mode split is actually much closer to 8% than it is to 1.9%. And I think that um, underscores what... uh, Folks already know, which is that the way in which you're going to get more folks to feel comfortable riding and want to ride is to be able to put in place a high quality, low stress um, commuter bike network in the city. Um, so, what's outlining Go Boston 2030 are a whole set of um, priority bike infrastructure projects. I believe there are about 26 of them um, that uh, can really help piece together, again, that, that high quality uh, commuter bike network, which we believe will, will then allow um, folks across our city and across the region to feel uh, more comfortable, and more empowered uh, to uh, uh, to bike to work or bike to whatever the trip may be. Um, that third category around transit and being able to go from around 33 percent to around 44, 45 percent um, in many ways is... Um, both making rail where we have rail work better and uh, where we don't have rail make our buses work even better. And in the near term, um, the emphasis is really on that second piece on on um, uh, a lot of the, the bus-related um, investments. So how we as the city who own the streets uh, and the MBTA who owns the fleet uh, can work together to think about signal timing or dedicated lanes um, or the location of bus stops and... Um, or off-board fare collection, as AFC 2.0 will uh, will likely bring. Um, how all of those things can actually make the reliability and quality of the bus experience greater and consequently encourage more people to be able to, um, uh, to travel to and from by transit. I will say that um, it also, again, has a lot to do with uh, transit-oriented development, how we plan, where we build in the city. Um, as well as uh, some of the big investments, which the T is actually already well underway in doing the improvement of signals along the orange line, improvement of signals along the red line, the upgrade of cars along both those lines, all of which will allow higher capacity and
0: uh, better headways. So when we talk about... um the number of people driving uh, mm-hmm. being cut in half mm-hmm. um, and and people who know uh, long-time Bostonians may doubt that that will ever happen. Although I guess if the population grows enough <laughs> and you have enough people that are co-located to work, as, as you mentioned, then maybe we can back into that number and people don't necessarily have to have the, the car keys pulled out of their mm-hmm. hands, you know. Um, but I do, I do think a lot of this is going to have to come in. There's areas of Boston that are not, ideally served right now by bus. I'm thinking Mm -hmm. of large areas of Dorchester, Mm -hmm. um, some parts of West Roxbury, Hyde Park, um, Mattapan, that have transit access. They have some hubs that are well served, and there's large areas within them, swaths, that they have bus service, maybe comes every 30 minutes, every 45 minutes. Maybe on the weekend it's not even worth trying unless you don't have another option. So Mm -hmm. this is the area where it it's going to take a lot of work um, with service planning with the T, and there's going to be a lot of push and yes. pull, uh, tug of war, to try to make this really work for people, uh, especially as there's going to be a lot of pressure um, for more development in those areas, um, even if they're not ideally suited for maximum development. Um, but but a little bit of densification, perhaps, uh, will be the pressure. So how do you see that, that tug of war happening? I know Jim alluded to this a little bit earlier, um, but one of the reasons I ask this question is because I've often thought... You know, Boston it being such the greatest among equals in the region, kind of anything that it demands, you know, it has the ability to sort of get transportation-wise. The problem is you got to put money where your mouth is, right? And I, and I remember uh, the first year after uh, Mayor Walsh uh, came into office, his first um, State of the City address, the word transportation was in the speech one time, and it was in reference to how bad the snow was the year before and people were having to dig out. Uh, and things like that So it was not a forward-looking transportation speech There was nothing about, I'm going to do X, Y, and Z Now, t- to be fair, Go Boston 2030 had just been kicked off um, But, I, but I, right then was sort of my starting point for what is going to happen here Because it seemed to me that there's a lot of incentive for a mayor Not to speak up about transportation Because it's not currently in his wheelhouse if the T runs it So then if he speaks up, then he sort of owns it, Right? how do you see that tug-of-war playing out and those incentives politically, uh, the power dynamics that are there, and knowing all the work that just simply has to happen mm-hmm. um, between the city and the T to meet these goals? There's a lot of different things in that question. It's a good question. About, I apologize no, for rambling. No, not totally no, you weren't at all. Um,
2: so uh, I guess a couple things. First, um, Uh, We're very mindful of exactly the geographies that you mentioned about places that uh, really are more car-dependent in the city uh, right now, which is why uh, within Go Boston, um, there's essentially a... Sort of a, a short list, roughly a dozen uh, projects and policies that um, we've listed as sort of the, the, the sort of the first set of priorities. On those are two that are really uh, reflective of exactly what you just said. Um, one is the um, a rapid bus service from Mattapan to the Longwood Medical Area, and the second is improvements along the Fairmount Line. Um, just to touch on those for a second, exactly as you were saying in the um, and as actually you can see the chart in go in twenty thirty. If you look at the percent of people in our neighborhoods who have Uh, A commute to work that is over an hour. There is one neighborhood that stands out, um, unfortunately, um, far beyond every other neighborhood. Um, So, roughly 24% of the residents of Mattapan have a one way commute that is over an hour. The next highest neighborhood is something around 15%. So, as you think about folks who um, we need to uh, really help so that we can shrink the distance between uh, their home and their work, uh, we really want to be able to um, uh, improve service, uh, particularly transit service. Um, to and from Mattapin. Um and that would be both work along that rapid bus corridor from Mattapan to the LMA, and work along the Fairmount line. Um, those things are um, obviously in the longer term, um, and uh, but I think to sort of a, a point you were alluding to, um, we aren't going to have only 20% of the people driving unless we provide positive alternatives that actually work for people. Um, and so uh, there is a, a huge amount that. Uh, we are doing as a city to figure out how we lay the groundwork for that. A lot of our focus of late um, has been thinking about some near term work along uh, the Fairmount Line, and it's with good reason that uh, when the mayor launched Imagine Boston 2030, or released Imagine Boston 2030, uh, which is the city's overall uh, land use plan, we did it in Upham's Corner, uh, and a large part of his speech was actually referring to, uh, or was more than referring to, but was talking about the proximity of Upham's Corner. To the Fairmount Line stop, and the important importance of um, the Fairmount Line as a as an existing piece of infrastructure that, if um, it had a higher degree of frequency uh, of service, um, that could connect even more people in that corridor today to the opportunities throughout the region. Um, today, the City of Boston uh, is um, obviously a significant participant in the funding of the MBTA. Um, I believe our assessment is around eighty-five million dollars, which is a little bit over half of. Uh, all the assessments that are paid by neighboring cities and towns. To put that $85 million in context, um, we are uh, investing more in the MBTA. That is a larger. That's a larger percentage of our budget than actually our um, entire transportation budget. It's actually a larger percentage of our budget than our public works budget. It's a larger percentage of our budget than what we're going to invest on transportation capital projects. So there's a huge amount of financial investment that the City of Boston um, puts into uh, T operations every single day, um, and it's why we think that we. Um, it's important for us to make sure that we're working closely with the T uh, to make sure that that this the city is well served and frankly by the city you know we we aren't just thinking parochially about our 48 square miles but really about everybody who uses it
1: everybody who can benefit from it which is the entire region can you talk a little bit about collaboration within the region and how boston collaborates with its neighboring cities and towns in order to improve regional mobility yeah i think we actually have a, a
2: a very interesting model that's going on right now with what's called the Lower Mystic Regional Working Group, um, which is uh, a group that was formed uh, really through um, uh, the MEPA process associated with uh, the casino development in Everett. So um, for the last uh, a little while, the cities of uh, Somerville, Everett, and Boston, uh, MassDOT, uh, MAPC, and a range of other stakeholders have been meeting regularly to review um Coordinated transportation investments that could actually ensure that the growth we're expecting to see in Everett, the growth we're expecting to see in Sullivan Square, the growth we uh, have seen and will see in Assembly Square, that all those things are actually well supported by the right mm-hmm. uh, transit investments, uh, pedestrian and, and cycling investments that can really move people and, again, support that growth that's coming. Um, we have been done, we've, uh, you know, through the support of the state and the work of MAPC and, and CTPS, um, there's been a whole set of analysis to sort of Narrow in on what will be a, essentially a recommended set of investments um, that uh, we could make that would really again not just benefit Boston but really are much more in that regional context of moving people in that entire
0: sort of lower mystic area Great. I think a really good segue from that, kind of a similar topic, the lower mystic, also joining with what you were mentioning, Chris about the amount of money that is already spent, um, the city of Boston mm-hmm. going going to the MBTA for service, uh, for all the improvements we need, basically the MBTA can probably say, okay, that's great. You have to cop up some more money, and there's a few different ways of figuring out how to do that. And and one is to, you could either give the money straight to the T, or a group of cities closer in um, who like you mentioned, this mobility group, could begin to say, well, we have specific needs and we want to have a little more control over it, um, which you see in other cities. We don't really see a lot here um, with with the city actually operating or paying for discrete portions of their transit service that are provided to their residents. The most interesting and and I thought exciting thing that I saw, that got kind of a passing mention, I thought, in in the um, report. Was the Boston Metro Transit District uh, being th- that was mentioned, and that's something that um, in, in Transit Matters circles and in our podcast, we have brought up this idea many, many times. Um, and so I was really excited when, when that kind of it didn't leap off the page. I found it. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> um, can you talk a little bit about is there any idea of what that would be uh, and any vision around that so far, other than just the words on the page? So in a, in a moment, I will turn it over to Vineet, who has been given who's been giving more thought to that particular
2: element than. Uh, uh, than I think anyone else within uh, the City of Boston team. Um, I think that there is uh, certainly an opportunity for us to think about um, uh, are there discrete types of services um, that uh, we want to ensure are happening uh, that um, a city or set of cities together, uh, cities and towns together, could uh, could collaborate on. I think where we're actually seeing... Um, a lot of good work right now is actually on the private like the uh, private employers doing something similar, um, whether it is um, some of the work that's happening uh, to ensure that there's uh, good shuttles to and from masco good shuttles to and from uh, the south boston waterfront um, or what will be launched this coming spring with uh, uh likely ferry service that is not just a private ferry but also would have a public option that would go from north station to the south boston waterfront i think in many ways all of those are sort of flavors of what uh, uh, of what you are uh, what you're referencing but i will uh, i'll turn it over to me who can talk a little bit more about the
3: the, the concept in in general uh, uh, th- thank you chris uh, fundamentally the thinking has been that if in fact we as a region rather the boston metropolitan area region want to expand public transportation uh, we have to do it as a collection of communities and not boston by itself or cambridge by itself and uh, it allows for two things one it allows for uh, for new service that can go across boundaries and two It would allow for uh, combining our resources and if you look at uh, other major cities in the country uh, many have many municipalities or city governments have started to provide uh, discrete transit service for particular routes uh, to complement the what's provided by the transit agency of that city and so that's a trend and uh, we did a meeting during go boston 2030 with the municipalities with mapc in the room and we said, let's talk about this.
0: So I guess that could be as simple as similar to, to we know that Massport owns um, a certain number of the buses on the Silver Line. It could be as simple as something like adding buses that the, the cities choose to pay for themselves, or adding new bus lines, or I guess you know the sky's the limit with transit service. But you know, one, you know, similar perhaps point of departure or model um, is the. Um,
2: the regional bike share system so um, the hubway itself is a collaboration between uh, the city of, uh, of Boston the city of Cambridge, uh, the town of Brookline and the city of Somerville um, with some coordination help from MAPC um, that, that system is stronger because it works across boundaries. It very clearly serves um, folks well because of it, and we're very excited to be expanding it over the next uh, over the course of this next year in the city of Boston by about 50 percent. Um, and that's a place where you know that was a service which um, is a mobility service which wasn't being provided by somebody else. It was a place where um, initially the city of Boston could step in, um, and but now actually provide something that works across boundaries and works with multiple municipalities.
0: Is is there any um, agreement yet about which cities would want to participate? in this kind of thing or is this too early even for those kind of discussions it's too early at this point well i want to thank you for being here for this for this segment um listeners i hope you'll join us again uh when we have a part two of this discussion with uh, chris and vanit and uh have have a great weekend